Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be talking about the 2019 horror film, I Trapped the Devil, written, directed, and produced by Josh Lobo, and starring A.J. Bowen, Scott Poitras, and Susan Burke. This is a movie about a family visit during the holidays that goes wrong when one of the family members reveals that they have trapped the devil in the basement. Um, Brian, was this one up on your radar at all? Uh, I had heard it name dropped here and there, but I wasn't necessarily on my to-watch list or anything like that. How about you? Uh, same. Like, the name sounded really familiar. I think I found it when I was looking at, like, a 2019 best horror film list, and uh, it's up there. I think it's got, like, a 75 percentage on Rotten Tomatoes, right? It does, yep. 4.8 on IMDb, which is quite a gap. And then oh, 2.7 wow. out of 5 on Letterboxd. Okay. Wow. So pretty mixed, huh? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's not a great letterbox score either. And the user yeah. rating on Rotten Tomatoes was 39. Oh, okay, out of 100? Yeah, 39%. Oh, okay. This is definitely yeah. one of those movies where really diehard genre fans and critics are bound to dig it, and the average moviegoer is not going to be on board, because it's slow. Yeah, yeah, definitely slow. Um, and like what, what genres, uh, like I mumble gore. I know we talked about this a few movies back really came to mind uh, when I was watching this is, do you think this kind of fits in there? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, I think we tried to define that as best we could in our house of the devil episode, but this is basically straight from Wikipedia and it's the best. Actually, this is the direct, uh, um, definition for mumble core, naturalistic acting and dialogue emphasis on dialogue over plot and focuses on the personal relationships of people in their 20s and 30s. Those are some <laughs> key elements, not like you need to have all these checked, but... Yeah, what's with that age group? That's interesting. <laughs> I think it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, they, okay. It's true, though. They tend to be about stories about people in that age group. Yeah. Well, isn't that most movies anyway? Yeah, they, that's they, true. They, I mean... Unfortunately, yeah. I think that's the type of person people want to see on screen for whatever reason, or at least that's the type of person people who make movies think people want to see on screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that must be it. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, I don't think most directors probably, well, I, I don't know. Directors I feel like can trend up more on the older side, but I, I could see like in this genre, since you have a lot of independent directors, um, and this guy, like this is his first film probably falls within that segment or demographic. Yeah. Yeah, so House of the Devil was Mumble Gore, um, The Sacrament, maybe. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, we name a few it, others it, in the House of the Devil episode. Go check that out. Yeah, it's surprising in your description that the reliance on dialogue and characters, because I, I didn't feel like there was a lot of dialogue in this movie, was there? There wasn't, no, but it was... I don't know. I think the plot itself is driven more, more by dialogue than events. Like, oh, you sure. could probably, we'll see, I don't want to jinx your plot walk, walk through, but you could probably walk through the plot in terms of the events that actually happen in, like, 30 seconds. Oh, for sure, yeah. You just say the title and that's basically the plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So, like, yeah, very minimal plot, more based on uh, character interactions, dialogue, sure. Right. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, what about a holiday horror? Do you think this has a place there? <laughs> you know, I think it might. It, it takes place around the holidays, but 
it is probably the least Christmassy Christmas movie of all time. <laughs> I know, I know. That's one thing I was really excited about because uh, I, I know you know we're coming up on holiday season. I thought we'd have some good overlap here, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's barely a backdrop in this, right? Yeah, yeah. It really is. I think a backdrop is the right word. You know, there's Christmas lights hanging on the wall the whole movie, <laughs> and that's where it stops. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what about movies that characterize or have a character that's like the devil in kind of a more of a metaphorical way? Like I, I know, uh, there was that movie devil with M night that M night Shyamalan did. Um, I got to think there are other ones where like, there's a speculation around like this one character is actually the devil. Um, isn't that like a whole genre? Yeah, it really is. I don't know that it has a name, but any yeah. movie where the devil is a big theme, but it's not a possession movie kind of fits into this weird bucket. Yeah. Yeah. This this can be kind of fun. Yeah. Um. There. Yeah. Not not a lot of background on this. I mean, I I thought I saw there was a guess around the budget that it's around one million, which seemed kind of high to me. But did did you see anything more about the budget for this one? I would guess that is very high. Though I didn't see a number, but um, Josh Lobo said that he came up with about three quarters of the money to make this by himself, and then his hmm. uncle pitched in the rest. Um, oh, okay. I would be surprised if it was a million, but. But yeah. who knows? Yeah, maybe they just rounded up to the nearest million. Yeah, they shot it in nine days. Wow. And it okay. was all on one location. There's really three actors are in the bulk of the movie. Tops, there's probably seven actors total in the whole thing. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Reading, listening to some interviews with this guy, it just kind of hit me like, man, guys like people in faces like A.J. Bowen, and uh, Jocelyn Donahue was actually in this, who was in House of the Devil. Like, they may be familiar faces and names to us horror fans, but I have a feeling they're not really making a lot of money. Oh. <laughs> I don't know like, that yeah. for sure. I'm not in the industry. Maybe A.J. Bowen is rolling in it. But I got the yeah. impression from this interview that a lot of people in these type of movies, you know, might have day jobs as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel like they've broken into the mainstream, but yeah, someone like A.G. Bone, he's done how many films? He's uh, He's got like a pretty long filmography, right? Yeah, he's in The House of the Devil, You're Next, The Sacrament, The Signal, Satanic Panic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I don't know, man. I, I, yeah. I really wonder how much money people like that make. Sure, yeah, yeah, I mean, these are definitely like far from like big budget Hollywood films, and I imagine, yeah, these these actors and stuff. Yeah, uh, and aren't, just, aren't that huge. It makes me think of the days where I was really into uh, music and reading Pitchfork a lot and stuff. Yeah. And they do interviews with bands who were working day jobs and then playing concerts at night. And it's like, holy right. shit, this band's a huge deal, but they work in a cubicle <laughs> all day. Yeah, I know. This is like their side gig in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. an interview with The National where they were talking about that and that dude from Girl Talk was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a long time uh, to, and yeah, I mean, the lucky ones kind of blow up and can focus on this full time. But yeah, yeah, I could see in this segment of films uh, a lot of like, uh, yeah, part time actors being here. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, it, it's cool to see a, a familiar face or two, though. Yeah, for that was, sure, that's nice. And did you notice the uh, IFC Midnight starting to seem like a familiar company? Yeah, that is familiar. What, what is that from? They distributed. Relic, which we recently watched, The Wretched, oh. The Babadook, Autopsy of Jane Doe, mm-hmm. Devil's Candy, they're owned by AMC Networks. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we just like reviewed one of their films in, right? With uh, The Wretched? Yeah. 
Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then there was a production company who I think kind of acted as the sales company, especially, and like found, like shopped it to IFC Midnight uh, called Yellow Veil Pictures. And they've done, they did uh, Host and Horror Noir, that documentary, mm. um, Lose, yep. Starfish, a couple others. Wow. Cool. Some some pretty vague, uh, familiar names, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and dude, this, the musical, um, the score yeah. was recorded here in Asheville. Whoa, no way, by uh, Ben Lovett? Yeah, yep. Is he like an Asheville native or something? You know, it seems like he might live here. Yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, I looked up Echo Mountain Studios just to see where it was, and it's right downtown, like 10 minutes away from me, and they had a list of um, people that they collaborated with often or like worked in their space, and Ben Lovett was on there. That's awesome. So I got to believe he lives here. He, and he also did The Signal and uh, The Ritual back on Netflix came out a year or two ago. Oh, right, right. Yeah, uh, I think um, there was, I felt like there was a lot of focus on the soundtrack here. Like uh, the volume definitely felt like turned up on, on what he was doing. Yeah, for sure. It was really used a lot to set the tone. They really leaned on it because, like you said, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's a very quiet movie. Mm-hmm. Um it would have been way more quiet without that yeah, yeah. That, uh, score. Because the score is kind of, even though nothing ominous is happening on screen, it will it will change its tone to something ominous as if you are you should be seeing something happening even though nothing's <laughs> happening. So yeah. it adds to the tension. I know. I'm trying to imagine this film without that music. Like That music uh, was like the source of tension for most of the film, which right? is uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, and yeah, he's done the ritual. He's he's got a pretty long uh, list of uh, credits, and I think he does his own stuff too, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool, man. That's awesome. He's he's in Asheville. We should find him or stop by his studio sometime. Yeah, see what's up. Uh, yeah, just drive by his house and see if he's got the lights on. Yeah, <laughs> check out his basement. See if he's got anything in there. <laughs> um, did uh, any other background on this? I, I couldn't find too much else. Yeah, there's really not much out there. I listened to a couple of interviews with uh, with Josh Lobo, and that's where I got some of those tidbits. But nice, not too much else out there on this. Yeah, um, Ohio connection. You got something for us? Yeah. So our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, where you can pick up food, wine, or beer safely from your car, or order on Grubhub or Uber Eats now. Uh, he connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. And Alex says, writer, actor, and stand-up comedian Susan Burke stars as Karen, one of the principal characters in I Trap the Devil. Her acting credits are pretty minimal. This film may be considered her most high-profile to date. She's mostly celebrated for having co-written the 2012 film Smashed, a semi-autobiographical story about a woman's struggles with alcohol and finding sobriety with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. The film starred Breaking Bad's Aaron Paul and Black Christmas's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, with Burke playing a minor background character. She has been sober since she was 24, and it has become the forefront of her writing, and Alcoholics Anonymous was founded in 1935 in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Good good connection there. Yeah, for sure. I, there's a lot of great stuff about Akron that even people from Akron don't tend to know. I think that's a great, great fun fact. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I feel like I heard that somewhere uh, a long time ago about that AA connection to Akron. Uh, yeah, we actually used it once way back in the day. Oh, okay, okay. I think. It may have even been on an unreleased episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if you drew that comparison on one of those. 
Yeah, yeah, I did. It might have been on the one of the test episodes. Okay, cool. Nice. Uh, good connection there with with Susan Burke, uh, who I'd, I'd never seen before. Did you? No, I hadn't. She looked really familiar, but I think she just has one of those faces. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, uh, great. Anything else? Or should we jump into the, the plot and uh, review the film and get into the spoilers? Let's jump in. All right. Great. Uh, yo, if we, uh, before we do that, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I think there's something wrong with my TV. I just want to take a look at it really quick. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Thanks. I'll be right back. Hey man, sorry about that. I'm back. Okay, yeah. How's the TV? Uh, it's okay. You know, I'm I'm trying to. Uh, you ever try to like watch Cinemax like uh, when it's like kind of blurry and stuff, and just try to like make out shapes on there? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> I, I've been trying to do that, but it's you know it comes in, it's really fuzzy. So I, I trapped the cable guy in the in the closet, and so it, he he kind of like pops out from time to time and helps. But <laughs> it's, it's it's been good to have his help around the house. Nice, nice. I bet you'll see a boob in no time. Yeah, yeah, I think we're making good progress. <laughs> did you, <laughs> did you ever like uh, get into like? Remember back in the day, they had like scramblers you could get that would kind of help with the, some of those channels, those premium channels. I don't. That sounds familiar, but I don't remember. Did you have one or have a friend that had one? I, I think I paid like twenty or thirty bucks to buy one, and I'm guessing it was just like a cable box that like someone had had left over, but they called it a scrambler. And I thought I'd get like every channel in the world, but it didn't work that way. So it was a disappointment. <laughs> I definitely remember like watching those channels all scrambled and seeing if we could do something to get it to, and from, to have from a clearer picture. From time to time, you'd see something, right? Every once in a great while, but <laughs> a lot of times I think it was just our imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the things you wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, uh, there are definitely some shots in this film where like the TV kind of scrambles and... Uh, um, I, I feel like that, that's kind of what I was alluding to, but may, maybe not. Boy, my kid's life will be very different at age like <laughs> nine know. to twelve than mine was in terms of technology. I know, I know. <laughs> I can have to deal with any of that. That's that's wild. Um, what what is a childhood if it's not trying to get those like rare glimpses of, of nudity? <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah, like I wonder like where all that time would have gone. Uh, that would have like totally redefined my whole uh, childhood. It's interesting. <laughs> now you're here with me. I know. Now we're we're in these closets recording podcasts. Just a couple of scrambled boob stares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not a bad, not a bad ending. Uh, all right, cool. Well, yeah, let's we'll dive into the plot here. And you know, I, I think I, I, there are a lot of areas in this plot that I'm kind of confused on. And I noticed like Wikipedia has like a a, a significant amount of detail. Did you did you notice this? Uh, I think I everything Wikipedia had made sense to me. Okay, because I yeah, there there definitely some things I I didn't agree with. Uh, and then the level of detail, like I usually never see this level of detail on the on the Wikipedia plot. So yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to hear your feedback here. But um, I believe the movie opens up with these two cops coming into a house that's decorated for Christmas, and uh, things are just very eerie. There's that music that's uh, very uh, suspenseful. Um, and I don't think we see exactly what's going on in that house uh, in this scene, right? No, you can't really grasp anything except there's this fuzzy TV and the 
cop stirs into it and seems a little bit hypnotized by it. Yeah, right. And then ominous music. Right. So then we jump uh, a couple hours before, uh, that's like a flashback in a way, Uh, but I think the same evening. Um, This couple named Matt and Karen, they drop by this house where where Matt's brother lives. His name is Steve. And they're just unexpectedly dropping by for Christmas because uh, it's holiday time and they, they wanted to surprise their brother, I guess. And um, first off, I mean, that, that's pretty bold, right? Like, what, who does that? Very bold move. Not cool. Yeah, yeah. And so Steve's all, like, really surprised to see them. And he's like, you guys can't stay here. You got to get out of there. He's, he's, like, really nervous and, like, not really engaging with them, really cold and distant to them. But they ignore him as most, uh, like like, good family members and decide to stay there. Um, so we get some initial, like very awkward tense scenes where they're trying to like, uh, break the tension with him and, uh, get him to talk to them, but he's being very cold and distant and not kind of engaging with them at all. Um, but they're, they're not leaving They're They're like, they're there for some reason. Um, and finally Steve kind of opens up to Matt and he tells him that he's trapped the devil in the basement and Matt tells Karen this and they all go down into the basement, which is lit up with this red light and they hear a voice behind this door that's like some dude begging them uh, to like let him out of this uh, kind of like a little closet with like a wooden door that has a cross on front of it. Uh, what did you think? I mean, like this is obviously the title of the film, but like what did you think of this build up and, and uh, the reveal of this? I think it's a great setup. Um, I thought the awkward dialogue was, it's kind of a frustrating situation to sit through as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't necessarily make it was hard to buy into this couple just showing up unannounced to this guy's house. And, um, yeah. but it's a cool setup. I, I love the idea of, you know, you don't haven't communicated with your brother a while you drop in and the house looks kind of like it wasn't a mess, but it kind of looked like a crazy person lived there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, claims he's got the devil trapped in the basement. It's a cool setup. Yeah, I agree. I love the premise a lot. Um, yeah, just just as you mentioned, it's, it's like pretty unique and like it, last thing you would expect when you drop it on a family member is they have the devil down there. Um, I, I also, you know, I, I think when they come down in the basement, I, I like the voice effects that they had on this person because um, he's like in a closet, but the voice is kind of like right in your face and uh, it's like pretty deep and like you can, there's like something menacing about it. Yeah. Yeah, almost the uh, like the voice of Black Philip in The Witch. Oh yeah, it's that's like good it's comparison. coming from everywhere at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good comparison. So uh, Matt and Karen are kind of flipping out because uh, they just found out that their uh, Matt's brother Steve's got this person trapped in the basement, and Karen's like, "We got to call the police." But Matt, I think, is pausing, uh, and I, I think as a viewer, I kind of get what you're saying. You're kind of frustrated with like the level of communication here, and Matt's like reaction, because um, I think he's struggling to see like if he needs to be supportive of his brother, or if like the, you know, yeah, on the other hand, his wife is pressuring him to you know do the right thing and call the police. Um, I, I couldn't get a clear sense of what was going on in his head. But were you kind of mystified by that? Yeah, it was mystifying. His reasoning was that he didn't want his brother to get sent away. Mm, okay, but. Um, I thought that most, I don't know, Matt and Karen were both reacting in ways that I felt didn't seem realistic to the situation. Yeah. Even, even Karen, like I kind of thought she was like, you know, saying let's like, we got to get out of here. We can't be a part of this. We got to call the police. Yeah. Yeah. Karen kind of was actually, she was maybe the most realistic, but even so, yeah. Yeah. 
but but I, th- I think uh, what, what's tough about this is like there's already like so much tension with these three characters, and so the conversations are feel like very unnatural and like forced. And uh, I, I, I don't know, did that hit you at all? Yeah, and I mean, it does have the mumblegore aspect where the dialogue is very, the acting rather is very naturalistic. Yeah, but it almost seems so naturalistic that it wasn't realistic. Yeah, if that sure. makes any sense. Like it kind of went beyond naturalistic. <laughs> <laughs> too real yeah <laughs> yeah to just kind of like rigid and awkward yeah 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 that, that definitely felt that um so meanwhile steve and matt uh they go into this room that steve has and basically he's got this whole thing where like all the, the all these like news articles and stuff posted up on the wall uh red red string like going from one to the other uh what do you call that whole exercise when people do that Oh man, yeah. There's got to be a word for that, right? I'm sure yeah, there I feel is. Like it happens all the time in like crime movies and Charlie and Always Sunny. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Pepe Sylvia ing. <laughs> yeah, is that the Always Sunny name? <laughs> yeah. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he's basically just got like got the, like all this research that he's doing up in this one room, and somehow he he explains to Matt that he's been tracking uh, evil, and uh, he's been able to hone in on the devil somehow. And that, like, some people have gone missing, and he thinks, like, now that he's trapped evil, these people are going to come back. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I entirely understood this part, but did it make more sense to you? It made sense. Um, I don't know that they needed to get into all that, like, the brother's exposition on there's this force in the world of evil, and there's man's evil where he just does things out of greed, but then there's pure evil. Um, it felt like a lecture we didn't really need. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of like out of nowhere, it's like given like the type of conversation we'd had or the tone so far, it kind of felt like uh, the conversation didn't really fit here. Yeah, this like this like lecture or sermon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then just like the the mood of everybody in the house at this point, just Karen goes from being like we need to get out of here to just being like, well, now we're all just sitting here waiting to see how this yeah. is going to go down, and it's just, it just yeah. seemed a little unnatural of the situation in general. Yeah, I mean, I want to say, like, for the next half hour, like, the the story just kind of drops, and you just have these, like, long scenes of, like, Steve, like, sitting with a gun in front of a Christmas tree, or Matt, like, kind of going through the uh, news articles, and then Karen just kind of, like, walking room to room, and then, like, all, all, like, really intense music just, like, playing over it, like, something crazy's happening, but really nothing's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he, Josh Lobo said in his mind he was kind of going for a house of the devil meets poltergeist. And House of the Devil had a lot of that too, you know, aimless walking around the house type stuff, but it didn't seem like as good of a fit here. Like, it's totally reasonable for a house sitter to be aimlessly walking around the house. (laughs) Uh, It's not necessarily reasonable for two people to be aimlessly walking around a house that they know a person is trapped in against their will in the basement of. Yeah, that's a really good point, because you you basically have like three people and a devil in the house, and... Yeah, yeah, nothing's like really happening when like a lot could be happening, right? Which is yeah, kind of frustrating. Um, so uh, we also come to I, I think you know at some point here we also come to learn that there's been a loss in the family. My understanding this whole time was that uh, this was their parents' house because Matt is like we have just as much of a right to be here as Steve does. But according to Wikipedia, I, th- I think it was Steve and like he recently lost his wife and daughter. Was that your understanding too? That's true, but it also seemed like something bad had happened to their parents as well. Like, I got that vibe, too. Mm, okay. Um, and it did seem like it was their parents' house. 
Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, but, but the focus was more on like Steve and like how he lost his wife and daughter. Yeah. I see. Okay. Uh, yeah. So obviously there's like this, uh, a lot of baggage behind what's going on here, which, and, and then obviously nothing is going on here. Um, but then, uh, the other thing that's going on in the backdrop is that the TV flickers on and off again. And we see this blurry image of a woman, uh, that I mistook for, you know, him trying to watch scrambled porn. Um, also the phone rings from time to time and Steve picks it up, but we don't know who's on the other end and he just kind of hangs it up. So th- there's some kind of creepy stuff going around the house. I, did, did you feel like this was building the creepiness of it? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you kind of then realize either this dude has gone completely crazy. Well, probably not because everyone witnesses the power going on and off in the phone calls. Yeah. So you know that there's something to this, his theory. Oh, yeah. And I think Karen can also kind of sense it because at some point she goes down and uh, this voice in the basement already like knows her name and is talking kind of like in this like devilish voice. Yeah, he's kind of taunting her. Yeah, yeah. She gets freaked out. I thought that some of the images of the woman in the TV were pretty freaky to me. Oh, uh, what what was she like? Was she like dancing or something? It seemed like a little bit like dancing type movement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and she looks like very uh, scary. It's kind of like black and whitish, but um, yeah, interesting figure there. Yeah. Um, so uh, meanwhile, sometime later, the plot picks up again, and uh, <laughs> Karen, Karen goes to the basement, and uh, the devil's kind of taunting her, and then Steve comes down there and tells her to open the door, saying that evil is what hurts you most, and he wants to see what she's going to see when she opens that door. But before she can open it, Steve knocks her out with chloroform. Um, I, I don't know why that happened. But then Steve kind of has this mental breakdown and he starts hallucinating. And he sees this man with a, a stuffed bunny that's like bleeding in his hands who's asking for help. He then also sees this image of a woman who has a blindfold around her eyes and saying she can't see. Uh, did, did you understand what was happening here? I took it to him took it as him having some sort of vision of his wife and i assume i didn't know what that guy was i thought maybe it was the person that killed uh, hit him and his daughter and wife or yeah hit his yeah. wife and daughter in a car and caused their death yeah okay and that was her stuffed animal torn in half the daughters yeah 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 interesting yeah i i thought it was his mother and father but i guess if uh yeah yeah i I think you're probably right it's probably uh yeah the image of the person who killed his family and then uh his wife that makes a lot more sense um so then uh he kind of points a gun to them and he comes to and realizes that matt and karen uh are in front of him and he's pointing a gun at his brother and his sister-in-law so he gives matt the gun you can tell he's kind of emotionally exhausted Matt goes into the basement to unlock the door and let this person out, but Steve comes in and stabs and kills him. So then Karen shoots Steven in the head. Uh, the police show up at this point, and one of them wanders into the basement, finds Karen with a gun. I think they both shoot and kill each other. Is that your understanding? Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. And then the other policeman comes down the stairs, sees all these dead bodies, hears someone calling to him from the closet and in a very long sequence he walks forward and slowly opens the door and finally this figure comes out and it turns out to be this little girl that runs up the stairs and just kind of walks out the house 
and uh, that's where the movie ends. What was your interpretation? Like, what happened here? Well, the guy, Steve, says the devil can take many forms, so I assumed that the devil took the form of a little girl and skipped right out of the house. Do you think it has anything to do with uh, the little girl that uh, Steve's, when he's talking to Matt earlier in the film, he says that like a young girl has gone missing and might come back uh, now that the devil's trapped in the basement? Any connection to that? I don't know. I would think not. Yeah. But I just thought it was because it seemed like it would be creepy to show a little girl (laughs) skipping out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you feel like that was pretty creepy? I thought so. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I, I was expecting a very tall person. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this is going to be great if a tall person pops out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, this person's going to be so tall. (laughs) I know. It's going to be so scary. He's just going to be tall. Hey, she's not tall at all. (laughs) Yeah, this is a little girl. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, That. uh, and, and you don't think it was like Steve's daughter that came out either? I don't think so. That would have made more sense if he was alive, like, yeah, as a way to taunt him. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I thought right. that was just to be creepy, but maybe I missed something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But speaking of little girls, Steve's plight is less believable to me because all he talks about is missing his wife. If mm-hmm. you had a daughter, a little kid that died in a car crash, you would mention the kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Grieving works in unique ways, but right. it was strange that we barely even knew that his daughter, you you kind of had to really piece it together. Yeah. Uh, so, so I must have missed when he mentioned he even had a wife. What what part was that? I He never outright says it, but sometimes he'll say her. Yeah. We, okay. The only real clue I think we get that tells us what happens is that Matt finds a newspaper that has a headline about a car crash and a local father grieves. Yeah. And, you know, Steve, he tells Steve, I wasn't there when you needed me. So you assume that was his family, his daughter and wife died in a car crash. Ah, sure, sure. Yeah. But the Mm -hmm. slow reveal on that, to me, was a bit of a disservice. It didn't really add to the tension or our understanding of the events of the film that much i think it took away from what could have been a deeper relationship and character background of steve and matt and their relationship together yeah 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 exactly yeah if you're gonna have like some big baggage historical event that happened like that like you know before the film you want that to like kind of play out in the characters and in their dialogue but yeah it, it really does uh come up like except for like that news article or whatever so it's yeah. kind of a disservice to any kind of backstory yeah, yeah, and I get what you could be trying to go for there as a reveal. Um, yeah. But it didn't work for me in this particular story. Yeah, yeah that's so weird, man, because when I watched this, I had a whole different interpretation, which I thought worked a lot better, where, like, maybe uh, the parents died, and Steve's been left alone, like, in their house, and he's gone crazy over the years, and maybe he's trapped someone in the basement just because he's lost it, and the brother wasn't there for him, like, during this, like, tough time. And now they're trying to reconnect, which I felt like that was like, oh, that you know, this kind of maybe makes a lot more sense on like why he's like slowly deteriorating and, and like going into like these crazy habits. But um, yeah, the, the whole idea that there was actually like a whole family of his and then like not really touching on that at all. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Did you feel connected to any of these three characters at all? Not really. Like, uh, they were just, yeah, they just felt like three very disconnected uh, characters that you didn't really get to know at all. And most of the time, you're just kind of frustrated with, like, their actions and what they were saying. I mean, did, did you feel the same way? I did feel the same way, yeah. I thought they just could have done more to to create, to flesh out the characters and the relationship that once was. You know, they mm-hmm. they do a good job creating this lonely, chilly vibe where everyone has trouble even interacting with, that, with each other. Yeah. Um, but give us a little taste of what, or allude <laughs> to the warmth that once was. You know, oh, between, yeah. At least, if not between these brothers, then between this guy and his family, you know, Mm-hmm. make it be in his house and have Susan when she's wandering around the room wander into the little girl's room you know yeah right like, I just feel like a couple more scenes like that could have yeah helped with that yeah given like grounded them a little bit more given them more color on the, on the back yeah I, and change up the dialogue a little bit you know we don't yeah we probably could have had something some sort of brotherly bonding and reminiscing about the past instead of Steve's rants about the different kinds of evil in the world (laughs) yeah yeah i know i would love to see just like the dialogue of this film because i feel like it probably takes up a page and yeah most of it's probably just his sermon or or his lecture about what evil is and not like any type of character development or yeah you know showing any kind of relationship unfortunately yeah there 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 was one part earlier on where i feel like she wanders into a room and finds baseball cards or something Do do you remember that uh, I don't remember that. I remember she finds a gun. Yeah, then she finds a gun. Right? I, I think that was like the next room. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I know so many opportunities here for the, they could have plugged in a little bit more. And interesting that they decided not to go down that route. Yeah, and even like, I don't know, the, the like trying to get across to the viewer that the relationship between Steve and Matt had gone cold. Mm-hmm. It it worked i guess but it then also made the relationship between matt and karen seem cold because he was breaking the news like we're we're thinking about expanding our family and stuff which should have been a very happy moment for this couple yeah but that that was just revealed in this awkward communication there wasn't any right warmth around that or connection between matt and karen that you see off screen because they do interact a lot just the two of them like talking about steve yeah there isn't much warmth there to me. Um, right, right. I don't yeah, know. It is, it is a very cold movie. Yeah, yeah. What did you? How did you think about the acting? It, I, th- I thought it was like stiff. I, mean, I think it kind of goes into what you're saying about like how uh, yeah the, the warmth isn't there. There isn't like a natural kind of flow between these characters. So um, it felt stiff, and I can't tell how much of it was purposeful versus um, the the actual skills. But I, what did you think? Yeah, I thought so too. I I thought I came away from this thinking the acting wasn't that great. I would say yeah. Susan was probably the strongest. Karen? Um, oh, like that actress. Susan, Susan Burke, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I started thinking about it more and thinking maybe it was the dialogue. Yeah, I know. Or even know. the direction, because it, it was supposed to be stiff in a way because it was an awkward situation, but... Right. 
Um, but yeah, I think the, the the downside of that was we neither of us felt connection to the characters. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I don't think they had like ample opportunity here to, um, you know, yeah, d- deliver a strong performance or anything because of probably the script and yeah. lack of dialogue. And I, yeah, I think probably most of the dialogue is coming from Steve's character. And yeah, it kind of feels like he's talking to like a, you know, like on his own, basically, like you don't need the other characters there. Right. Yeah. They were all kind of monologues from him. Yeah. Um, outside of, you know, yeah, kind of, uh, rough dialogue and characters that we can buy into, um, what do you think about like the rest of the production elements? Like, was it scary? Anything worked there in terms of tension building? I thought the production design was really good. Like inside this house, it was just a good location. I, I don't know that they had to go above and beyond, but I don't know. They just did a good job of making this kind of life layer of in the house of a guy who's been alone for a long time and is maybe losing his mind mm-hmm. um you know the newspaper room had to take some time yeah sure uh i heard the director say he was going for a black christmas vibe aesthetically oh okay like visually so I, I think they did kind of achieve that actually yeah I, I like the setting and then like the windows i think also have like crosses or like blocks on them right so it, it did kind of feel like you were like in this small space like with someone who's like lost it yeah yeah i think that tense trapped in this house vibe that they were going for with the production design and the music and even the lack of dialogue really created a lot of silence you heard with the sound design every drawer that was open yeah <laughs> every right. breath someone took that was a little you know labored or frustrated or a sigh you heard all that right up front in the mix yeah which i think helped it did create a little bit of that house of the devil vibe that he said he was going for so i think that was a success yeah Um, i agree and the phone calls and the tv that was enough to keep me engaged in terms of the the creepy element of the movie and wondering what's going on yeah, that kind of, uh, I, I'm like, were there parts where like you're wondering if he's just got like a random dude in the basement versus the devil? Yeah, I guess it, there were moments, but it, as the movie progressed, it seemed, I seemed more confident that it was in fact the devil. And it's not too far into the movie that Karen's character hears. Yeah. Is being taunted. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I was surprised actually how quickly, I thought they were going to keep that ambiguous uh, a lot longer, but um, they do reveal that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if like the TV would turn on by itself and the phone would ring. Um, I don't know if those are like necessarily signs of the devil though, is it? <laughs> no, but I think it was just, um, yeah, that's something that wasn't necessarily explained, but that's just something that's creepy to me all the time. Oh, Any sure. sort of image in a TV that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. Or a phone call that is mysterious and of an unknown origin that'll always yeah. creep me out yeah yeah I, I agree with you it added to the atmosphere and and yeah overall like the movie feels like that the atmosphere is like pretty thick and it'll, along with the music and even like the the shots i feel like they have like a little, little bit of graininess to them that that i thought made it really cool combined with like the christmas lights uh the cheap 80s like christmas lights in the background yeah yep like kind of colored halos in the background it yeah it made for a nice nice mood moody setting yeah, yeah, right, right. And um, uh, another thing I liked was the the third act. I thought as slow as it was, which I'm fine with slow, but I didn't necessarily like the things that were executed around the slowness. Yeah. I thought the like third act in the basement was was kind of cool. What did oh, you like think of that? The the basement party like once they come down there and like they're trying to let the devil out and then he gets stabbed and then they all kind of kill each other. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, like, this is, like, your climax. So, like, you feel like everything's building up for. And then I just kind of felt like it was these slow deaths, like, uh, that guy gets stabbed and, and dies, like, pretty quickly, which I was surprised how quickly he died. And then she just shoots the, the brother. Uh, I, I don't know if I felt like I got the climax I was looking for. And then, obviously, the devil not being, like, this tall person that I thought it was going to be. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I kind of feel like it could have been a, a stronger ending. And yeah, the whole idea of like them shooting each other, the cop and Karen, uh, I, I just felt like that was really convenient. So I, I guess I didn't get like the payout I was looking for, but w- what do you think? Yeah. When the TV's all blurry like that, it's hard to get the climax you were hoping for. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? <laughs> um, yeah, now, now I'm just attracted to the blurred images. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen an SNL digital short called Dear Sister with Shia LaBeouf? No. <laughs> you should uh, look that up after this conversation. The, them shooting each other at the same time kind of reminded me of it. Oh, okay, okay. I'll check it out. Dear Sister? Yeah. All right. I'll check that out. <laughs> Um, yes, it was a little convenient, convenient, I suppose, but I bought into it because at that point in time, she's so convinced that she can't let anybody let this guy out and, uh, she's sitting there with a gun and there's a cop. What's her only option? Shoot the guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. But then he sees her there with a gun in her hand pointed to him. it's convenient, but I bought it. Yeah, so she was, like, at that point, just, like, concerned about protecting that, making sure no one opens that door. Yeah, I think she was convinced at this point that that was the devil. Why do you think she kills uh, Stephen? You know, that is something I struggled with because, I don't know if it was just because she was pissed that he killed her husband, but... yeah. It would have made a little bit more sense if she was like, all right, like I'm in this with you. I believe you now. Right, right. Um, Because she heard that and she didn't, she was a bit meek about standing up and saying to her husband, like, seriously, something's fucked up about this. Don't open the door. Right. She did do that a little bit, but. Yeah, she tried to. Right. Yeah. And it's easy to, uh, it's easy to understand how someone could think that they were maybe just going crazy. Like. Yeah. And. Yeah. uh, not necessarily want to step up and be like, I heard a voice that that guy knows my name somehow. And he taunted me and yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could doubt yourself. Right. And not know what the right move is there. But yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I was really surprised that like Steve, like first of all, like stabs Matt. Cause I mean, I, I know he like pointed the gun at them throughout the film, but for him to like kill his brother, basically, uh, I thought that was kind of a shock. And then why she kills uh, Steve, I did, that didn't really add up for me. But I hear your point on the police officer. That, that kind of makes sense. If um, there was a point where they kind of foreshadowed that he would probably kill them or be willing to kill them, Steve, mm-hmm. that is, be willing to kill his brother and Karen, he said in one of his rants that he thought it wasn't a coincidence that they were there. He felt oh, like right. something, some force was trying to come save right. the devil. Um, and that that force inspired them to come maybe Mm. if they didn't know it or not yeah right and he also said something i don't know how he got on this train of thought it was some metaphor to the effect of if you're building a road you don't stop when there's an obstacle right yeah so and that was right on the tail of saying that he didn't think they were there by accident so that was kind of an allusion to the fact that he'd be willing to kill them if they got in his way 
Sure. So he was already like pretty suspicious of like why they're there and that they may be yeah. there to save the devil. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept yeah. saying like, they're, I, I know something's coming or, or they're coming. Right. So, and in his yeah. mind, it was what he was doing was for the greater good. It wasn't like yeah. my brother and sister-in-law are evil or anything like that. But sure. He yeah, felt yeah. he needed to do what he had to do. Sure. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. All right, cool. So, so you you were you were fine with like how it ends up and like how it wraps up at the end. Yeah, I liked the wrap up. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, what, what do you think overall? Like, how many uh, bleeding stuffed animals would you give this one? I actually give this three bleeding stuffed animals. For all its faults, it was creepy to me, mm-hmm. and I liked the ending well enough that it saved it from a two and a half. No, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It, it was really creepy throughout, uh, but I, I kind of felt like just the the plot uh, fell way short of like the length of this movie, and they uh, I, I feel like someone forgot to like write a plot in there. So uh, I I only gave it two, and it it, it sucks because I I feel like um, yeah, the, the concept is and I talked about in the beginning, such a great concept, and I, I feel like with the sharp dialogue, you could have really had a great like character driven film here where like there's like an absurd level to it. Uh, there's like yeah some some comedy around like this idea of like uh, a family member who's got someone trapped in and like kind of the the bickering that goes on between them and then like more more interactions with the devil like did you feel like you got enough of those um i did actually i almost felt like it created more attention by not having as many interactions with him oh okay okay but yeah that could have improved it too but i i am totally with you on your first point and i could see a, even a different day of me watching this where i could have rated it a 2 um i i totally think that was a squandered opportunity for more character development and more of a relationship between any of the characters that would have made the whole thing more tense even so i know i know and yeah it was sparse on plot and events so you had to you should have beefed up those character relationships a bit more. But this guy, I think, was like, I think he said he was like 20 or 21 when he wrote this script. And he was writing it because the thing he, he was trying to do this movie because the movie he had done before he thought was too big. And he was like, I try to, I got to get everything compact in one room, one space. Not that he may not have said that word for word, but he was basically to try to make a more manageable movie that was easier to make. And it wouldn't go off the rails. So he went like the polar opposite, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I so I get it. And it was a good idea. But yeah, some missed opportunities for more meaningful dialogue here. Yeah. Yeah. That part's really frustrating. But um, yeah, I guess if that's what he's going for, he, he got it. Yeah. And again, you don't even, back to that show don't tell thing, you don't necessarily even need it in dialogue. Like I said, I think a room, a scene where they stumble into the daughter's room could have worked well. Um just even more emotion on AJ Bowen's face, you know, they, they acted like it was just like, Hey, we've kind of grown apart over the years. Like your niece died, your sister-in-law died. Right. Right. They, I don't think the characters reacted not only to the devil being in the basement or a man <laughs> being in the basement appropriately. They didn't react to the entire background. Yeah. Set up appropriately. Yeah. It's almost like they're out of place. They're a little bit numb. It's like anything that was part of the story. Yeah, right? Like, they were in a movie that was about something where the stakes were less high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, disappointing, but um, no, I'm, I'm glad you, you gave it a three, and that's good. I was, I was really hoping for, like, a good holiday uh, thriller here, but 
that I, I could yeah. use a little more Santa or something. Anti-holiday thriller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, any, anything else? I think that's all I got. All right, great. Well, that's it for our discussion on I Trapped the Devil. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Uh, we also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with some other listeners uh, and horror fans, so you can find that on our websites. We have a Patreon page. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're planning to surprise your family over the holidays by dropping in, maybe call ahead and make sure they don't have any home projects or things going on that you might be uh, disrupting. Yeah, at that point, if they've got Satan in the basement, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> you showed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what you get. 